Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. Hey guys, this is Peyton Guthrie, joined as always by Matt Burden and Alan Kinney. Starting the podcast off a little bit differently, the podcast you'll see too, which is Through the Keyhole, an OU fan podcast brought to you by Vanessa House in Oklahoma City, the number one brewer of my heart and dreams and souls and, uh, and desires. Uh, <laughs> uh, before we really, really jump off, um, I want to say big shout out, big congratulations to Matt, engaged man. Yeah. Uh, does it? Mm-hmm. I mean, oh man. Does, is it just, is it the weight? Is it this heavier? I mean, when you wake up in the morning, I mean, what, what, how's that happen? Uh, I, I feel great, man. It's, it's all smiles, all good vibes over here, man. Uh, no, dude, she, she's awesome. And Peyton, you've met her, met her a bunch, man. She's, yeah. she's great, man. She's, uh, she's my sugar mama too. So that's good. She allows me to still work at the radio station, which is good. Uh, she's a college professor. Um, so yeah, but she, she was awesome, man. I was nervous, not for like, cause I knew the answer, right. I, I knew the answer. I wouldn't ask if yeah. I didn't know the, that she was going to say yes. Um, but I was nervous cause I did almost mess up my plan. So I, but I corrected it in the moment, some good improvisation on my part uh and got to where we needed to go to get all the the pictures and stuff like that and get it all done man but uh no good day man it, it's all it's all smiles man all smiles now it's just every like i said to you uh every other conversation is something about the wedding planning so <laughs> you should you should r.i.p you should have taken the mike leach approach uh elope <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> come back have it done if uh, it was up to me then that's yeah that's what would have happened yeah and Alan, it's been a while. Uh, how's it going on your in your neck of the woods? Oh, it's good, man. And obviously, you know, congratulations to Matt. And my one piece of advice at this point is like, it's your job in this process at this moment to be part of these decisions, but to agree. Yes, that's that's my my one piece <laughs> of advice here. But no, I'm doing well, man. Just got back from a trip to California. It was really nice, sunny. Uh, same warm, you know, all over Southern California, uh, good times and, uh, man, it's been a while since we've got a ton to talk about here. Yeah, we do. Uh, I'm assuming you took some business meetings with, uh, with, um, uh, Cliff Kingsbury and, and Lincoln Riley down there for the open <laughs> positions. No, man, you know, it's funny. Uh, Eddie Radosovich was on a solid verbal podcast last week. Yes bragging about, uh, being blocked by Lincoln Riley. And so I hit him up today. I was like, don't think you're so special, man. Like, he blocked me like five years ago, and I have no idea why. Like, yeah. <laughs> so you know, like, 
Man, yeah, yeah you, you're, it, you're not you're not special. Yeah, you probably didn't make like a an insane serial killer tweet <laughs> either <laughs> to get it done. No, it uh, probably, probably was something about you know uh, a, a reverse he tried in the third quarter of a game up like four touchdowns and <laughs> you know in just, the red zone too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was you know, and that was just a bridge too far for him, I guess. Uh. So that, let's get into the to, to the meat and potatoes of the show. Like Alan said, we do have a decent amount of stuff to kind of riff on and talk about. Uh, it's been a little while. We've had some stuff. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed uh, what we've been on a piecemeal together while the three of us have been kind of in and out uh, and on uh, the Patreon as well at uh, patreon.com slash through the keyhole. Had Christine Butterfield on to kind of give us a tournament breakdown uh, the entire time each round. Really helped out. And then luckily the team she covered won it. So that was very helpful uh, with some uh, insider access right, right. Uh, to kind of figure out all that stuff. Uh, but let's go on to the uh, top of our um, topic list here. The state of Oklahoma has passed a new NIL bill uh, that basically kind of unshackles um, some previous restraints on these athletes they had for making money. Um, beforehand, they had to have some sort of agent relationship or some sort of agency relationship in order to enter into NIL deals. And you could say that was probably due to wanting to make sure the athletes, uh, you know, the kids, I'll say, uh, had some sort of prudent financial, fiscal, you know, um, advice taking on these deals or something. But this new bill has maybe has kind of rolled that back and saying, hey, you can enter into anything as you want one to one. And the main key point concept of that is a lot of these guys and girls won't be making enough money to be even to have an agency, have an agent and have to deal with that cut. They have to lose and all that type of stuff. Um, I, I, I want to pitch this over to you. I know NIL is not your favorite thing to talk about. I randomly find it kind of interesting because the law process of it uh, and trying to figure that part out. But the whole idea of it being in recruiting, I think, is a giant bore. Uh, but what is is this just the price of doing business for the state of Oklahoma that they needed to remove of this nature? Or do you think this is um, a better thing to allow these students to have, you know, unfettered access to NIL deals without needing to have some sort of oversight from an agent or an agency? Well, I mean, the, the whole agent thing, like, like you mentioned, uh, just makes it kind of, uh, again, you know, no agent's going to take commission on for some of the, you know, for a five hundred dollar NIL deal or something like that. You know, it's just the it's the idea of needing that middle middle person there just doesn't doesn't make sense. I mean, you know, looking at the you know this article from KOCO um, about uh, you know kind of what the bill does. You know, looking the the uh, Greg McCourtney here is the senator who um, sponsored the bill, wrote it. Um, you know, he says this is essentially this exact same legislation they have in Alabama. Uh, the quote is, I know that Alabama has a bill like this. So if we don't allow our athletes to be compensated for their name and Alabama does, they're going to continue to bypass in football and every other sport. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think it's got a point. If this is what Alabama is doing, my guess is that it's probably going to be the, uh, set up to be the most competitive, uh, type of arrangement you know i guess one other thing to think about here too is what does this mean for players who are recruits um is it easier does it make it easier to recruit if players don't need to have an, an agent uh, you know does it make it easier to 
you know, come to some kind of NIL agreement that's above board. I, I honestly don't know. Um, but you know, these laws, I just like, like I, like you said, I, I, I admittedly, I just find them so boring at this point. Yeah. I th- the thing that's interesting to me is, is now to see these, to see this uh, scramble and this kind of reversal of how they wanted to do things originally. Cause just in January, uh, the state of Oklahoma was passing a, a bill or trying to pass the bill. I, I couldn't keep up with it. Um, you know, barring the, the state institutions from labeling students as ath- uh, athletes, as employees, you know, trying to get in front of that. Um, then now they're kind of, and maybe it is of the same vein, but I kind of see it as before these bills and stuff were somewhat restrictive. And now they're thinking, oh, crap, due, due to competitive advantage, we have to completely reform all these laws and stuff we've passed because of your favorite football team. Yeah. <laughs> which is such a weird way to like look at law <laughs> like mm-hmm. how does this impact my favorite football team but that's just kind of i mean that's just kind of where we are right now when it comes to this type of thing um matt it is you know fr- from your perspective being on the franchise and you guys you know have the interviews you're talking to the players and you're making sure things are getting done especially in the spring when the only thing we're getting is like sound bites and stuff like that um do you guys hear anything or do you hear anything or have you experienced any of these things of these, uh, you know, the players trying to like, you know, I, I don't, do you think like their, their day to day is changed by trying to hunt these NIL deals down and trying to do, uh, trying to like deal with that aspect of it all on top of having to talk to local media and be in the film room and be on the court or on the field practicing. Right. I, excuse me. I really haven't heard anything like that um I, I think in reality at the end of the day the players don't care about any of that obviously they want their money and all that stuff like that like if they can to maximize that potential for sure i think at the end of the day all they really care about is playing ball like whatever it is if they're playing football basketball whatever um this bill to me just reads like i mean comparing it to alabama obviously alabama doesn't have a pro sports team so they're like auburn alabama those are like their pro sports teams very much has been the same way with OU um, and OSU for that matter um, before the thunder came. And then even still now, like, I mean, they don't have a pro football team, anything like that. It's more so just like, Hey, we are still like, we are still a majority like college dominated state. Um, So we need to keep up with the Joneses who are kind of also uh, doing that. But as far as like the players are concerned, uh, I mean, to me, I think at the end of the day, they just want to, they just want to play. They just want to, they just care about playing ball really. I, I know. Um, and kind of as like a, like a, like a professional would like, Hey, yeah, my agent takes care of, takes care of all that other stuff and tells me where to go and you know what to do. Uh, but my job at the end of the day is play ball. Yeah. I mean that, that, that side of it is very helpful. And to talk about playing ball, let's go ahead and transfer over to um, some, a little bit of recruiting talk. You're going to get here. Uh, we do have, now, the 2024 and 2025 quarterbacks locked in uh, with Michael Hawkins and, and Kevin Sperry. Uh, it, the, you know, the position that everyone was kind of wringing their hands over when Brent Venables first took, took, the, uh, t- took the throne from Lincoln Riley, forcibly kicked him out of the, uh, of the room, um, was how is OU going to continue recruiting high-level 
quarterback positions uh, at the quarterback position. Now we've got Jackson Arnold. So this next one is going to be an off cycle guy. So we've got Michael Hawkins coming in uh, four star for the composite side. Um, doesn't have the greatest offer list, but my assumption is that is mainly due to the fact that everyone kind of saw the writing on the wall <laughs> that this yeah. is going to be an OU win at this point in time when OU pulled the trigger. Uh, but now also having Kevin, um, Kevin Sperry, um, Matt, when it came to this, because you got Jeff Lebby, you've got rumors of Jeff Lebby being inter- you know being approached by Alabama multiple times, over and over again. He said, you know, he had to he had to deny them thrice. Uh, <laughs> however, the biblical story goes, uh, it, and now we've got this down. Jeff Lebby is going to be a name and is going to be a hot name pretty soon, if not already on people's short list when it comes to head coaches and uh, uh, of that nature uh, pretty soon this next coming season. Do you think this recruiting class, these two quarterbacks uh, are just kind of a house of cards at this point in time? <laughs> or are you kind of, are you able to kind of tack them on there? Cause I mean, Hawkins being a legacy and everything. Uh, how do you do, how are you handling thinking about recruiting this far off on the offensive side of the football? Right. And specifically quarterback, obviously we know, like, unless you're Georgia or Alabama, like if you get a a quarterback to kind of spearhead your class, that shoots you up the rankings. Like, and that helps you recruit uh, the rest of your class more than anybody else. Like, I mean, uh, I know we're going to talk about Michael Hawkins ties to like some elite guys and, Mm -hmm. you know, them, him and the Speary kid being um, in that kind of DFW in Texas area. That's, I mean, that's a for as long as Oklahoma is a university, they're going to recruit Texas very hard. So that I mean, that is like that is a huge win there. Uh, as far as like recruiting them that far out, you know, I, one I I always view it like as a good thing. Usually, it's something positive if your offensive coordinator is getting, you know, you know, head coaching offers or you know, like the likes of Alabama are trying to get after him. Uh, mm-hmm. Usually, usually it means something's going right for you. Obviously, it didn't go right last year, six and seven. But, <laughs> um, but going like you know down the line, like a couple years from now, when Jeff Levy decides to leave, if he is getting a bunch of this interest from uh, other colleges to be a head coach or you know uh, something like that, I read it as okay, something good is happening like, for the offense. I don't ever read it as like uh, a bad thing. Uh, unless I mean he's just like fi- like fired like uh, Baylor style or something like that you know like in uh, in a bad way but um, as far as recruiting this far out I think it's a positive too because Brent can get in these guys ears and you know he is going to be their head coach like Brent is going to be their yeah. head coach it's not going to be Jeff Levy now they might have the best relationship with Jeff Levy right now but at, at least whenever you have him like kind of locked up at least uh, verbally committed to you that far in advance. I mean, you can send other coaches around him too. Like it's not just him and Jeff Levy talking. It can be Brent talking to these guys and, you know, them sort of envisioning themselves as the OU quarterback rather than like, Oh, I'm just going there for Jeff Levy, which I know a lot of, you know, quarterbacks specifically go for their quarterback coach, but at least this gives you a lot of time for like Brent and other guys to kind of get in their ear and get more familiar with them just in case Jeff Levy does leave in a you know couple of years or so. Yeah, I mean, do you mentioned uh some connections that Hawkins has um with a was it a, a Mitchell out of a uh, California LA the number one tight number one rated tight end in 2025 who is as rumor has it would uh potentially 
reclassified 2024. The uh, OU is leading that charge at this point in time. I do want to remind everyone that uh, I think just two years ago, OU was leading for a defensive tackle who uh, out of Georgia who was thinking about reclassifying, uh, and then that, lo and behold, he didn't, and now he plays for Texas A&M. Uh, until they do it, it doesn't happen. Until they sign, they're not signed. Uh, but this offensive um, pressure now, because I think last cycle wasn't the greatest offensive class. OU was able to get itself handled with Jackson Arnold, uh, but beyond that, it needed some more potential firepower. It does seem like this class has the potential to have more offensive firepower. Um, Alan, when it comes to this on the recruiting side, for that side, there was a bit of a lull, in just my opinion, my opinion, we don't, whatever, uh, for the offensive side, because as uh, Brent really went heavily into the defensive secondary and linebackers, now it seems like 2024 has a chance to be more offensive loaded. Do you think maybe that was... Brent saying the state of this roster and the state of the defense requires me to recruit at this level on defensive side first? Uh, or do you think there was maybe a bit of a combo of some high-level offensive guys saying, let's just back off Oklahoma for a second and, and, and take stock of what it looks like a year, two years out after the Lincoln-Riley? Yeah, great question. And you know, I hate to I hate to punt and give the both answer, but maybe, maybe both. Um, you know, look, there is zero doubt that Oklahoma needed to make some serious headway on improving the defensive side of the roster. Just, without a doubt, it wasn't just, you know, I mean, the guys who stuck around, the guys who left, whatever, they were not developing. Oh, you didn't have much depth. You know, we saw it play out last year. They really don't now even. I mean, so many spots they are going to be relying on these young guys that they brought in to uh, replenish those spots i mean you know to me that's just kind of uh, you know the way the way it works here you know i mean uh yeah i mean i think that it was mainly about focusing on the uh, defensive side of the ball um you know you start to look now i mean there's a little bit more of an ability to show what OU's trying to do offensively um you know and getting i mean in this case getting a quarterback for both classes, I mean, you know, it's kind of funny. You kind of did it backwards, right? Like they got 2025 and then got 2024. Um, but, you know, I think that, the, you know, no matter what happens, right? Jeff Levy leaves to take another job. OU's not, I mean, Brent Venables picked this offense. I don't think that it's a, a case where OU's going to throw everything out if uh, Levy, you know, goes somewhere else and start over. Um, so, you know, I feel I would feel good about that part of things. And uh, with that in mind, you know, the idea that this is how he wants to play. Now you can showcase that to uh, a lot of these potential recruits who you know didn't have as much to go on prior to uh, last season. And as you talked about, this is, you know, Levy is kind of foundation building for this style of offense. And I believe uh, just, you know, my intuition is that, you know, You've, you've got a guy on staff right now, an analyst position, offensive analyst, you know, Seth, who potentially could s step into that role pretty yeah. easily. You know, you keep it in-house and everything of that nature on the offensive coordinator side of things. Or you've got DeMarco Murray right there, who everyone is raving about uh, making his potential, um, you know, steps as offensive coordinator and head coaching, uh, just kind of how he handles himself himself. So there could be some continuity there on the offensive side of the football, which 
was already carried over from Lincoln Riley because that whole part of the staff basically stayed beyond uh, drama on on the back end of it and losing the wide receivers coach. So you've talked about a little bit about what Brent's having to do kind of defensively and everything. Uh, it is spring. We have spring game in two weeks, uh, I believe, uh, two weekends from now. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm on some discords and everyone's posting pictures and everyone's saying, did you see so-and-so? And it's usually just a picture of a football player looking like a football player and someone saying, oh, wow, buy all the stock. Uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, spring, you know, hope springs eternal uh, right now at this point in time. Matt, how do you protect yourself <laughs> from the easily – you know, it's easy to fall into it of saying, yeah, they've got to get better. Uh, you know, Bowen's been here third year now. He's going to be great. He knows the system. Key Lawrence, finally healthy, so on and so forth. Don't talk about the defensive tackles. That will get figured out, obviously. I mean, <laughs> but how do you guard yourself or do you just allow yourself to fall into it and say, hey, it's sports. You're supposed to fall into it. Uh, go back and watch games last year. I mean, <laughs> I <guess> <laughs> Right. I think that'd be the easiest way. It's Come true. Watch uh, last year's last year uh, post non-conference. Once they got into conference play, just go watch that. Um, no, I mean, listen to they the schedule. I think is is very good. It's very favorable for Oklahoma, um, in my opinion. But you know, I still just I I remember watching all those games last year. I mean, I just, I don't know how else to put it. They went six and seven, man. I don't, Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know how, uh, I, I know the Hopium, all that stuff. You you can't help but fall back into it because it is Oklahoma football. Yeah. They have been so good for so long. And this just, you know, a, a blip on the radar. And I hope it is a blip on the radar. I do. I just, I, I would just tell those people, just go back rewatch those games and remember how you felt in those uh, last year. Remember how you felt and don't, you know, don't buy all that, all that stock again. That being said, definitely show up in droves for the spring game. <laughs> I mean, Oh yeah. You've got to, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially like, especially last year, you know, I know it was a spurned fan base. I don't expect 75,000 people to be there again, but um, I mean, if you get at least 60, I think that'd be, that'd be awesome. I think that's obviously doable, but um, no, I, I think that's my fear is like, Hey, it's back to normal, like maybe 30, 35,000 people are there, which is still a pretty good crowd, but, mm-hmm. uh, obviously you compare it to last year, like it's nowhere near that. And you're still celebrating a Heisman trophy quarterback again this season. Like I know he's not as beloved as, as Baker Mayfield is, but, uh, I mean, I, I think he's the best quarterback to ever suit up for OU. I mean, and Kyler Murray, like, I mean, he's just so dynamic, man. I, I just, I, I hope that people show up and show out and, and show a ton of love uh, for Kyler as well. Cause he absolutely deserves it too, especially too. Cause like the, and to kind of parallel him and Baker, like Baker, I think needed that last year. Like, I think he yes, needed to yeah. be around, you know, a place that loved him and that welcomes back with like open arms and, you know, Kyler with the way his season ended tearing his ACL, like, and then, you know, you have all the off season stuff with like uh, one of his offensive linemen calling him out saying that needs to grow up and stuff like that. Like everything that's kind of happened th- this past year with Kyler Murray off the field. I think he, he needs that too. Like, and he's always, been ride or die for OU like since he stepped yeah. foot on campus he has always been ride or die for OU Kyler has so I just hope that the fans show up um in droves again because Kyler absolutely deserves it 
Have we had a look at the statue? Has anybody leaked that by any chance? Or is it still hidden? Still hidden. So we do we think he's got the baseball bat? I mean, that's a, a total bow nose situation. Yeah, the Bo Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Uh I guess Alan, I'll ask you the same question. I mean, or, or maybe from a different perspective. I want to be hopeful. I, I do I want to be hopeful for this coming up season. It's like that. And I know it's 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 a decent ways away, but it, it's just is funny because uh, this is no no disrespect to anybody whatsoever, but uh, someone was reposting Brandon Drum stuff, and I love Brandon. He's very connected. He stays connected. He hustles in a way that I would never do. I'm not playing. You know, I'm not jumping on Fortnite and figuring out what these kids are talking about. Like this is not what I, what not what my, my what my life to be. But people are posting his stuff in there. It's always so and so's great. So and so's doing good. I mean, it's like boom, boom, boom. Not not a bad thing's happening <laughs> in spring practice. Uh, how do you, Alan, kind of shift through the tea leaves of that? Because I think Brent Venables kind of gave us a playbook of how to listen to him talk last year, uh, in which everyone got excited, but we kind of missed the obvious things he was saying of we're stripping it down to the studs. This isn't going to be as crazy as you think it's going to be. And he's saying a lot of, not a lot of similar stuff, but he is saying somewhat similar types of things now, but in his regular positive, you know, anecdotal way. How are you kind of shifting through the tea leaves, so to speak, about what to think about OU coming in the fall after the spring? Yeah, great question. Uh, I mean, I, I think to a degree, part of it is about reorienting yourself and in, in how you look at last season. You know, I mean, like I, I keep I've been reading all this stuff about like, oh, well, you know, Venables made X mistakes, X, Y, and Z during game management or whatever, you know, and like, I mean, I've kind of like completely reset when you look at how OU was operating out there, like basically it was, you know, a team built around some significant limitations and, you know, it, it was a kind of a situation where Venables wasn't compromising on, uh, what he wanted to do just to win games last year, right? Like he went, didn't he? Wasn't sacrificing uh, the long term, I think, for the short term. So if you look at it like that, like for if you think about last year as like kind of setting the table for going for everything going forward, um, you know, it's it's a bit easier actually, in my opinion, to have hope for uh, the coming season in the sense that the the rot, you know, a lot of guys who were you know kind of given the shot you know venables talked about that that you know one year grace period that he gave everyone um a lot of the a lot of the players who were given that shot you know we found out how many of them you know could thrive and how many of them needed to find a new home um we've seen i guess the way to put it maybe better would be this roster is getting closer to um not something that venables is working with uh, by you know uh, without without any without as much choice in the matter. I mean, these are yeah. getting more guys that uh, are built in the mold of players that he wants. So keep I, I mean keep that in mind. But you know I don't know. It, 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 this is without playing any games. It's always you know seeing playing against. It's always very difficult to separate the wheat from the chaff. Um, there are definitely some media sources out there that I find uh, more trustworthy, more uh, guys who who vet their information a little bit better, or uh, you know take a little bit more of a skeptical um, 
eye towards things and you know follow them i guess that's my best my best piece of advice yeah i mean there's something that stuck out to me and i think i tweeted it and uh you gave me a rare interaction on said tweet i appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh basically you know uh brent venables talking about the defense is gonna be you know on a different planet leaps and bounds better and then he follows it up by saying i'm just hoping they these guys can tackle and take the right angle take the correct angles and it gave me thinking Oh, that that's what you're actually saying. You're hoping dudes don't look lost on the football field. And if they don't look lost on the football field, it will be worlds better. But it's not going to be a top 50 defense if the if the bar is guys can just be in the correct place. Right. <laughs> but people are only hearing the first part of the sentence and choosing to potentially willfully ignore the second part of the yeah. sentence because that's fandom. Mm-hmm. Well, let me but let me let, let's flip this around though real quick, right? Like if you look at some of those measures of basic like skills, you know, you're talking about yeah. taking the right angles or, or tackling, for example, right? Like, you know, uh, Bill Conley has a, has a stat. I don't know if I've got Bill's numbers up here at the moment or not, but he has a stat about, you know, it's like tackling. Yeah. Just measuring how well, how well do you actually tackle? And uh, OU last year. Oh, I have it right here. Let's see if I can find it. Um, Tackle success rate. OU ranked 116th nationally in tackle Ooh. success rate in 2022. Now, Can't be good. Right. That's roughly the same as 2021. So, like, think about it. If you think about it in terms of, like, Venable saying, like, I'm trying – or we're working now with players who are more accustomed to – the way that we do things right yeah like those are the kinds of things that like just taking just tackling correctly or you know getting calls and all that kind of the the nuts and bolts i mean you know it's it's easy to read when he says and says oh i'm just hoping they can do that correctly but more but it could also be him saying is him be a case of him saying we're getting better here or this is where we're focusing our attention, that type of thing. I mean, I think that you're going to see a team this year that is more like the team that plays more like the team uh, that he wants to see longer term. And to me, um, that's kind of my important takeaway from, from all this, this preseason stuff. Yeah, because if you if you get that to uh, let, let's say you you get that to like a top sixty tackle rate or something of that nature, which would be just a massive jump. Not you know at least in a rating wise, I don't know what that'd be in actual percentage wise based on how the the, the distribution of the teams and so on and so forth. Then all of a sudden you become a team that just can get off the field on third and thirteen. <laughs> you know yeah. you you, ta- you tackle a guy for a gain of eight, and then you know it's two it's fourth and five, and they don't want to go for it. Uh, unless you're playing Baylor, then they're going for it. Yeah. Uh, but at least then you just become an annoying defense. You know, that would be very nice to have OU just be an annoying defense at this point in time. I mean, I think a dominant defense is probably beyond the pale uh, for this coming up year, especially if the defensive, uh, at least the middle of the defensive line being kind of where it is. But if they can just be annoying enough uh, to allow the offense to have some room to operate, I think that'd be and be able to play a complimentary football, uh, as we both tend to hate that term, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, I think it would be very, very helpful. Uh, 
I guess we're going to close the book on, on football for, uh, for, for, for a moment and uh, move on to OU basketball. Uh, over on the Patreon, I kind of wrote just a little very small uh, retrospective over the first two years of Porter's thing, uh, just a paragraph each, and just highlighted and compared it to the first two years of, of, of Lon's, uh, Lon Kruger's uh, seasons uh, here at, at, at Oklahoma. Both kind of dealing with some similar things. I've had some pushback from people saying, well, Porter's really in this mess because of where Lon left it. Well, Lon also came in when OU was having to deal with NCAA mm-hmm. uh, issues and stuff like that as well. Now had more talent on hand, but had some restrictions and things of that nature. And the thing that really highlighted out of that is, man, Lon really truly was a Hall of Fame uh, college, <laughs> uh, college basketball coach and could win ball games. Uh, and Porter just doesn't seem to be potentially at that level for whatever reason is recruiting a much higher clip and a much better clip. Um, it just hasn't translated over. Um, now I excuse some of that away with transferring in and out and COVID, uh, you know, impacting, but basically he's not having the same sort of instant success. Like Lon did Lon had a, an improvement for year one over the previous regime and then a massive improvement for year two. Uh, Porter obviously did not see that and actually saw a regression uh, from year one to year two. Matt, you're our basketball guy. Is your three it? I mean, was <laughs> was the Notre Dame stuff like Lon, like, I mean, not Lon, but like Porter, like agent, trying to like do something? I mean, is this the make or break year, year three for, I mean, is it going to, is, is 500 going to break it for him? Does he need to win some ball games? Oh, man, he he definitely needs to win some ball games. Um I think the main thing is, man, just the roster turnover that he's had to yeah. do every single year. I mean, like since he's got here, I mean, it's you're replacing like seven guys like every every single off season. Like, mm-hmm. and from whenever he started, like it's just he started with I think what did I say like four guys from that team, like Emoji Gibson, uh, Rick Asansa, Jalen Hill, and Elijah Harkless. Um, Jalen Hill this year was the only player left from like the long Kruger days. Uh, and then he's in the draft slash transfer portal. Now it's just the thing I, I saw with lawn too, is that like guys got better year after year too. Like they, yeah. they developed um, year after year. I mean, obviously look at like buddy healed. I mean, he, you ever like, heard of him ever heard of him? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, buddy healed, like whenever he got, here when he was a freshman i remember watching i was like i don't like his shot looks funky like it just i I was like i don't know if this guy's it uh and then you know he literally just got better every single year after that and obviously was you know player of the year his senior year and i don't know it's just guys like that like uh taking a guy uh, you know ryan spangler uh, out of bridge creek oklahoma yeah uh, i mean he was like who got better every single year but was a good very good high school basketball player and got better year after year uh, a guy like jordan woodard uh, out of edmund memorial high school who point guard got better every single year that he was there and then it kind of all came to a head when that final four run you know a guy like isaiah cousins gets better every year and you know i, I just i, I don't know what has gotten lost in like the, the translation there or like what, what Porter has done, but it doesn't feel like guys have gotten better since they, since they, it just, they've either stayed the same or gone back. Like, I mean, uh, and two, like whenever you have to, you know, 
use the transfer portal a lot. I, I get it's a good it's a good thing, right? For whenever you lose a lot, you bring a lot of guys back, but you don't want to rely on that because you know you don't hit all the time in the transfer yeah. portal. You don't you don't hit, and you know the guys that are surefire things, they're not going to OU. You know, like the the, the Max A. Smith, who is just in, from uh, ORU, goes to Texas Tech, like, or I think he went to Texas Tech, but. Um, you know, they're, they're, those guys aren't, aren't going to OU. Um, and instead you're relying on the Groves brothers from Eastern Washington who made their name in one game in the NCAA Yay. tournament. They played one, one really good game where they couldn't miss. And then, you know, you're stuck, you know, playing Jacob Groves so he can go one for six from three point line every game. Like, I, I don't know, man, it's, it's gotta get, it's gotta get better. Uh, very fast, but it's going to be difficult. I do like the the guys coming in, the freshmen coming in, yeah. uh, the Cole and the Cooper kid. I like mm-hmm. them a lot. I I love Milo Suzanne. Um, like I mean, I think it was John Hollinger or Jonathan Gavoni, one guy, uh, one of those guys at ESPN. I think it was Gavoni, but he put out like you know a, a mock draft for next year's, not this this upcoming draft, but next year's NBA draft. And, uh, you know, cause he wanted to get the clicks cause Bronny, J- Bronny James is in there. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 But yeah. in the, the, uh, like second or third pick, uh, in the second round was Milos Yuzan. He had him on there. So like Milos Yuzan, that's, that's, I mean, that's a kid that has a chance to get drafted as of right now. Like he has, he has an NBA future. Uh, I really like Otega Owe. Um, so, I mean, it, that, and you just got to get a big guy. You got to, you got to try as something, man, you got to try to get a big guy at some point uh who is who is athletic but again like i said about the transfer portal man that's easier said than done because those those athletic big guys uh as you just saw i mean eddie lampkin from tcu he would have been perfect Mm -hmm. i think he would have been perfect coming up to coming up you know at 35 to to norman from tcu instead he gets snatched up uh very quickly after ed cooley gets the georgetown job (laughs) like uh, (laughs) mere hours after he gets the georgetown job um so it's just it's tough sledding. It, he doesn't, it does need to get better as far as make or break. I don't know. It might be a make or break for Porter himself where a job like Notre Dame comes up and he's like, yes, agent, please give me this job. Like, yeah. like I don't know if Joe Castiglione would fire him, but it might be more so of Porter being like, I'm done with this shit. Like I'm, I'm done, mm. you know, turning over my entire roster every single year and not really having a good chance at getting some of these quality guys from the transfer portal. Yeah, I mean, the the thing about that, though, and it's my only pushback is it's like he's the hot dog guy standing there. I'm trying to figure out how all this yeah. roster management's not happening. It's on you. It is on Porter. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, and he's uh, who's the assistant coach that he's bringing in or, or allegedly, I think it's, it's a, not official yet, but coming in from Oregon. Armand Gates. He's uh, Armand. Dennis Gates, his brother, the coach at uh, Mizzou. Mizzou, yes. Uh, as someone who I believe coached with uh, Moser in the past as well, uh, I don't know if it's more of like s- surrounding yourself with people you know and you know stuff like that as you know the door is closing in <laughs> type of a thing, and you're trying to get more of your guys in the program to help to help that out. Uh, Alan, I mean, I, I know obviously you and I are much more of the football fan, so I want to uh, at least on college athletics. I don't know how often maybe you watch college baseball for, you know, on, on your side job. Uh, but from a football fan perspective, what do you think is a passable level for OU basketball to be at? I mean, cause like Lon Kruger had him in the uh, NCAA tournament seven times out of 10 years. 
They didn't, they didn't always go far, but they're in there at least. To me, that's great. That's like beyond passable for University of Oklahoma. You're doing good. 85% of the revenue needs to be going to the football team anyway. So it's like, if you do anything positive, you're doing great. Just don't embarrass yourself. You know, Porter's going, I think, finished like seventh and seventh both years or something along those lines, maybe seventh and eighth and in the Big 12. Uh, what's a passable level for you for OU basketball, at least on the men's side? Also, sorry, Alan. Alan is a basketball coach, so we need to like. That's also <laughs> true. That's what, yeah. What would you do? So, like, he is not a slouch. He is no slouch when it comes when it comes to this. There, there's no no. Alan, how are you using the transfer portal? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, my I bet I'm well. Much like Porter Moser, I'm forced to uh, start fresh pretty much every year. So with my roster. So, um, but I don't know, man. I I think. Well, I mean, I just I feel first of all like the the freedom of player movement has just changed this game so much in college that you know I mean, not being able to get off to a better start last year probably put Moser in, in a tough spot, um, in terms of being able to bring new new talent in. But I don't know, man. I look at it and you know Kruger did obviously did great work, but in OU. Yeah. And his his first let's see here. I'm looking back. I'm looking at Kempom.com, right? So mm-hmm. the, where do they have him for uh the adjusted, you know, uh, overall efficiency rankings, right? So Kruger's first season, 2012, OU ranked 105. Now that was actually pretty good because the two, 2011 team, that was Jeff Capel's last year, was 144, right? So mm-hmm. getting better. Uh the next season. 51 so huge improvement no yes. doubt about that right but the team that was ranked uh 51 went 20 and 12 right on the season this year ou's team finished 54th in ken palm's adjusted uh you know efficiency metrics i mean i just think that the big 12 is so difficult that yeah it's 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 just a different kind of landscape. I mean, you know, I'm looking now at the teams that, that he played, you know, that, that OU played this year. And can that kind of magnify yeah. problems too? I mean, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. I mean, when there's that kind of grind and on top of that, it's harder to keep guys motivated when, you know, you've got, you're not, you don't, you don't have like a, like in 2013, right. That was, that was Kruger's second season. Like there was TCU was in was had joined the conference and ranked 265th overall. Texas Tech 239. Texas that year was terrible 94. Like there were no teams like that. Yeah. In the Big 12 this year, you did not get a single break. I mean, you know, the, there's no team in the triple digits. There's no team but like the the low like OU was the worst team I think in the Big 12. No, probably Texas Tech was uh 63 63rd mm-hmm. that was the lowest i mean there just wasn't a, there there weren't there wasn't an opportunity to i don't know really bring anything together i mean you know when you start losing that many games and there's no let up you know it's hard to find find solutions hard to keep get guys motivated you know it's hard to you know keep, keep guys confident it just i just think it's a tough tough job at the moment or yeah, and i, and I know, remember I remember us talking to her. It was like they had like six games left. And it's like, oh, 
five of their last six are against top 15 teams in the country. True. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like, what? He's like, what the hell? Yeah. Uh, right. Like, I mean, think about some of the teams that they, I mean, look at, think about back to the NCAA tournament you've got Baylor, Kansas, Kansas state, you know, Texas. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are teams that were all in the elite eight, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, I don't know. He, he's, he's, in some cases, he's just kind of a victim also of bad luck or bad timing, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I will say maybe I'm a bit being a bit harsh on him in my uh, inner heart about, about college basketball. Uh, but it is, you are right. I mean, there is a circ- there's a circumstance of timing of COVID happening, of this new player transfer. And OU is not being just generally sexy location. I mean, if you toured the, you know, you toured Lord, uh, uh, Lloyd Noble and go through the facilities and stuff as you're a transfer player, uh, you know, why why would you want to do that at that point in time? I mean, OU needs to make a lot of massive investment at that point in time to kind of get up to the Joneses. But I just don't know if the University of Oklahoma has the appetite for that for basketball it does have the appetite for it for softball you know as as its secondary thing as softball is becoming more and more of a growth sport and as a, as a revenue uh collegiate activity uh it just seems like basketball i, I don't know it just seems like it just may be too nut uh too tough of a nut to, to crack for it's the university the, of oklahoma it, it feels like the most wishy-washy sports yeah. right the most most fair weather of the ou sports right i mean you know if football's bad there, people are still going to show up in droves. Right? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're still going to, yeah. I mean, look at last year. I mean, it was all, I mean, people were still showing up last year. Um, to me, OU basketball, it's like, and now for those of you who are out there, go to every basketball game. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the majority yeah, uh, the of five fans. Of you. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'm talking about the majority of fans who are like, it, it's, it feels like more of like, okay, show me you're good. Then we'll care. Like then, right. then we'll care. Then we'll start showing up all this stuff. And, and, you know, that's just, it's a tough sell. Cause when you're not good, you bring recruits in, you know, you bring transfer portal guys in you see, they see the atmosphere at the OU games. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's dead. Whenever they're not any right. good, it's just, it's just dead. Maybe that maybe too, like in a certain sense, because I do was... remember, sorry. I do right. remember like going to OU basketball games with oh, Blake yeah. Griffin's there, like the Bedlam game where he dunked like yep. over Byron Eton. Like I, I remember that the crowd was packed. It was jumping. Like, Oh yeah. I, I know. I mean, we know how good OU basketball, the atmosphere can be. Many times during the, when Kellen Sampson was there, I mean, they, they were able to, they were, it was, that place was rocking, but like maybe in a certain sense too, though, like long Kruger is the perfect coach for that kind of situation because he's so Ted Lasso ish or whatever, you know, so easygoing and everything like that kind of stuff. I don't know. Nothing really seemed to get to him if that makes sense, you know, and maybe, maybe he was just kind of perfect for OU in that sense that, you know, there weren't a lot of highs and lows with him, I guess would be the way to put it. No, I think that's right. I mean, you know, there are some, obviously some whispers and stuff about personality issues and, and, with the current coaching staff and who knows, maybe he's just like, he's a tough coach, <laughs> yeah. but you know, and then, and then, you know, Lon met his match with, uh, with, uh, uh, with Trey. I mean, with everything that was going on there, you know, yeah. Trey needed someone to say, Hey, stop being an asshole. <laughs> Let's play basketball. Yeah. And, but no one would, and no one did except for, I think there was a game where it was like borderline, like a mutiny from the other team, <laughs> uh, from the OU's team. I can't remember what it was, uh, a tray like barely tried to play that game. It was like almost like a Kobe type of situation where he like shot the ball twice. <laughs> uh, 
I, I think that's kind of where it is. But I, I do want to make that comparison to softball again, is that it took softball, what, 20 years of sustained success and sustained foundation building, sustained fan base building to now be, to have this full investment, getting the stadium, getting everything of that nature. And like completely at this point in time, being clearly and obviously the clear number two sport in the University of Oklahoma. Um, and it had to completely, you know, win multiple national championships in a row. You know, it had to, you know, set ESPN records and all that type of stuff to kind of get this investment, um, from it. So I do think, you know, Matt, you do have a thing there where it's just prove you can win for a while, you know, g- you know, give me five years of good basketball and then we'll talk about something. Um, but it kind of becomes like a, a Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross type of situation of, well, if I just had the good leads, so there's that part of it. But, uh, but there was a question I asked on, on the Patreon post of saying, Hey, what do you guys think? Do you think it's a make or break year? Do you think I'm being too tough on Porter? Um, because I didn't think about it from the Ken Palm perspective. I looked at it from recruiting and just for, you know, from the, the caveman, you know, W's and L's because <laughs> at a certain point in time you get in the NCAA tournament based off those W's and L's. Yeah. Uh, but Porter is recruiting much better than uh, Kruger was. He is bringing higher talented guys in. It's just, I think Kruger, he's a hall of fame basketball coach. He could, he could get you in those tight moments at the ends of games. Good could get you wins. Uh, and that just quite hasn't quite translated over uh, on Porter's side of things. Well, everyone, that's everything we have to talk about uh, today as we have the whole crew together. Uh, it'll be kind of ins and outs. Uh, I'll have uh, Jay, uh, Jay Belzer on uh, once again, uh, the headline of Af- Athlete NIL, uh, the um, the one that the uh, Sooner, um, the main Sooner uh, NIL collective uh, is part of that branch. I want to talk to him once again just about how the, uh, that collective is navigating these new state laws uh, across the board and how it's specifically impacting the University of Oklahoma over on the Patreon. Try to get that recorded next week to kind of get some more inside of, uh, you know, inside the mechanics of what OU's trying to do there uh, while trying to compete uh, on the recruiting uh, landscape. Um, but I appreciate it, guys. Uh, Alan, Matt, you guys have anything else you guys want to add? No, man, I think we hit it. Softball is still really good. Uh, that's my analysis. That's yeah, my analysis great. on the softball team. Yeah. If you haven't had a chance uh, on the public feed, go listen to uh, Jackie Wynn's episode. She really broke down the softball uh, team uh, really, really well, especially after that, uh, the Texas series where uh, was it Mike White thoroughly embarrassed himself uh, in front of a camera and then got thoroughly embarrassed on the diamond. So it's good to see when bad things happen to uh, mean people, uh, <laughs> but without anything else, Matt, Get us out of here. Boomer. Tuna!